do you say Jesus is? Confused on the issue? The Bible's not. Join us. Truth for Today with Pastor Phil Howard coming up next. Valley Bible Church in Hercules, greetings in Christ, and welcome to today's broadcast of Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. As we work ourselves through this holiday season, we're taking a look at Jesus Christ. Who do you say Jesus is? Well, for an answer to that question, definitively speaking, we go to John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. That's where we catch up with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, as we take a look at Jesus Christ this holiday season. Here now from Valley Bible Church in Hercules, our teacher and pastor with today's broadcast, Pastor Phil Howard. Let's begin in John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it, and the marginal reading is, or overcome it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John, not the writer of the book, but John the baptizer. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. I want us just to pick up the verse 6 through verse 13 and focus on who do you say Jesus Christ is? John's first 18 verses, called the prologue to his gospel, is in seminal form everything he will expand in the rest of the book. Who this man is. Let me uh, uh, kind of refresh for you where we've been and what he's already said. First verse, he says, this Christ, pre, this one called the Word, preexisted all of eternity. He was before time, before space before matter. Secondly, he was in eternal communion with the Father. He used a word, he was face to face with the Father, meaning equality and also a reciprocal fellowship that went on with them before he ever made man. Sometimes we have the feeling there was necessity on God to create. God did not need to create. He did not need to make a universe. He did not need to make man. He did not need to make angels because the Trinity God was completely satisfied with each other. No necessity. And get rid of Darth Vader. Evil is not eternal as the Gnostics taught. 
The dualism of eternal evil and eternal good is nonsense. There was a time there was nothing but good when God decided to create creatures with volitional choice. Men, sin entered into the world first through angels and then into the human race through Adam and Eve. So he was back there enjoying fellowship with the Father. Then it says, he is one that we can call God. The Word was being God. So, here is a clear reference that would have got John thrown out of the synagogue or getting stoned at a mosque because he said Christ was not just a prophet. The Word was not just a man, but the Word is called God. The nature and quality of God. Then he goes on to say, he is the source of everything that was ever created. Whether it's time, space, or matter, he created. He is the agent through which the Father created everything. And then it uses this language, he is God's light. And when you read John in 1 John in this gospel, light is usually a reference to divine life manifested. And so when we think of God's life and being manifested, it's like a great light. He wasn't a giant light bulb. He was eternal life on display. So you see the interchange between life and light. Life and light. Now, when he enters into this human arena, we're going to see three things. Number one, God stooped to pick human witnesses to introduce his son. Although he's very God or very God, why would he need a mere man to be a forerunner? Why does he need men to witness for him at all? The stars shout out his glory. Creation shouts out his glory. But God has chosen to use men and women to bear witness to who he really is. Then we want to look at how the world responded to the coming of this one who is called God. And thirdly, let us look at what made a difference in those few who welcomed him. Why did they welcome him in contrast to the world's rejection of him? Well, uh, I would think right now as I begin to look at a great explanation of who Jesus is, C.S. Lewis had a famous apologetic approach to Christ. And his approach was this way. Jesus Christ is either who he said he was or he is a liar or he is delusional and that would make him a lunatic. Or if he is really who he says he said he was, maybe he's Lord and he's worship, worthy of worship. So he, if he claims to be God, if the gospel say he is God and he's not, He's clearly a liar, and a liar cannot be a good man. And if he's delusional, we would all be crazy to base our faith on someone that was said to be delusional. His own neighbors said he's out of his mind in Mark, and they also said he was under the influence of a demon. I have visited people in J wards who thought they were Jesus Christ, but they were not. So was he deluded? Was he fanatical? Had he taken on too much Palestinian sun to have an accurate estimation of who he was? Or thirdly, is he Lord of Lords and King of Kings? 
And if he's that, he's not just a good man. He's just not a nice philosopher. He's someone we should bow before and acknowledge as being God, a very God. So he's a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's Lord. But he can't be a nice man and lie to us. And he can't be a nice man to follow if he's a lunatic. He, you've got to make up your mind, who is this Jesus? Now, John the baptizer comes along. He starts saying that he came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. John the baptizer was not the light because many wanted to make him that way. He was the greatest prophet that ever lived. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light is Christ coming into the world, and John the baptizer in camel-skinned coats and a diet of honey and locusts and seemed a little wild-eyed and totally different, away from the priesthood in Jerusalem, away from the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Herodians. This man came out of the wilderness, as Isaiah 40 said, and a voice began to cry out, Here, here is the light. Here is the light. This is the man. I came to tell you this is the Messiah. This is the one we've been waiting for. Look down at verse 29. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He then says, this is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And you know in the genealogy, John the baptizer was born physically before Christ was, but he knows he's eternal. He was before I even existed. He was back there. I'm here to bear witness. John 3, he says, he must increase. I must decrease. And when he was in great discouragement and in prison and was to be beheaded the next day, his disciples were sent by him and said, maybe I made a mistake about this one. Let me tell you, when you get discouraged, you can have fantasies in your mind that are not true. He began to be discouraged. He thought, maybe I missed it. Here I am getting ready to be beheaded just through a sensuous dancer. And I'm getting ready to die, the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. And his disciples went and inquired of Jesus, are you really the one? Or was John wrong about you? Did he make a mistake? And Jesus said, go tell John the blind see, the deaf hear, Captives are set free. The dead are raised again. He was not wrong. He's only discouraged. Go tell him he was absolutely right about me. I think it's an amazing thing that John was said to be a witness. And this is the very same language that the book of Acts picks up for us. You shall be my witnesses. You're not Christianity. You're not the light. You're not the feature. We only bear witness to what God is and what he has done in Jesus Christ. But would you like some witnesses that stood up in the gospel of John? Oh, I knew you did, so I just made a few references. Let me just give you a few. 
Uh, look here. Look in chapter 1, uh, verse 40. Uh, well, let's go a little bit. Yeah, verse 40. Andrew, Simon's Peter brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said about Jesus and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. I used to be around fellowships that they wore Andrew pins. And the Andrew pin was, I'm going to tell my brothers who Jesus is. Uh, you know what? Did you know all God wants you and I to do is to be his witnesses? You can't save. You can't convince. You can only bear testimony. Because John, throughout his book, he loves courtroom language. He says the Spirit comes to convict. And that word convict is a lawyer's term. He comes to present his brief to win his case in the minds of people. And this very language of witness, it's bring the witnesses to the court. And guess what? Court is still in session for you and I. Who do you say Jesus Christ is? And I know I'm preaching to the choir. You ought to be saying, I know who he is. Why are you preaching to me? Because you got me for a preacher. And I'm just preaching with the Word of God. But I wish the place was packed with unbelievers. Just reading the testimony of the man who's adopted my grandson. He was a Hindu worshiper. Went to the Hawaiian Islands and was a thoroughbred vegetarian and a Hindu. As I was reading his testimony and was all into Eastern religion. And then finally, another surfboard maker in Oahu told him who the Jesus really was and lived out Christ in front of him so that now he switched from the east and he finally bowed before Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? Andrew said, he's really Peter. He's really the Messiah, the Christ, which is blasphemous words to a Jew. They knew what Messiah meant. They knew what Christ meant. This is no ordinary man. You go down, look at here at Philip in verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there, Nathanael asked? Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus said, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. I was a long ways, natural eyes wouldn't let you see. He saw him out of omniscience. He saw him out of omnipresence. You see, he can move into that anytime he wanted to. Then Nathaniel said, Rabbi, you are the son of God. This is blasphemy now. This is a Jew saying, you're the son of God. This is blasphemy. He gets stoned for this. Son of God. And John never uses Son of God to refer to believers. Paul picked up that language. This is, you're uniquely one who shares God's nature. For the word Son in Jewish thought meant to share the nature of a father. They understood that. 
When you said, been someone, you share the nature. Cared, and he said, you are the son of God. That makes you the king of Israel. Right. Just like that. You go over to chapter 3. He tells a religious ruler, I am the son of God, and you need to be born again. Chapter 2, he does a miracle. His first miracle, Cain of Galilee, he exercises the creator's prerogative over water, turns water to wine, sowing his almighty power as creator God. He's saying, my miracles will show that I am God. Chapter 4, he takes the city harlot, and he meets her at the well. And he reveals to her her need of God, a woman of another religion, not a Jew, a Samaritan, a half-breed, a mongrel, despised by the Jewish people. Great racial animosities between these two people. But Jesus revealed himself to her, and it says she went to the city and witnessed. And when Jesus came to the town, the whole city turned out to meet a man that would introduce a harlot to eternal life. You see, it doesn't matter where you come from, where you've been. You can become a witness for who he is. And that's the greatest compliment God could ever give you, is to employ you as one of the witnesses of who his son is. You get over in chapter 5, he says, uh, the works I do testify that I'm God. I can raise people from the dead. 536, I'll read it to you. I have testimony weightier than that of John for the very work that the Father has given me to finish and which I am doing testifies that the Father has sent me. My very works testify for me. If I had time, I would show you verses in John where the Father says, I testify this is my son. You remember at his baptism when the Spirit of God descended upon him and they perceived God bears testimony that this light, this one called the Word, is truly God, a very God. Let me tell you, we're in the court of human opinion. Being politically correct seems to be the in vogue language of the day. Let us be sure. I just uh, read in the paper where uh, they were having an athlete speak in Southern California. Because he was of Jewish background, they had to suspend with all Christmas carols so as not to stumble or offend. You know what I noticed? We don't stop anything in this country today if it's Muslim, if it's this, or if it's that. But when you start bearing witness to who the light is, there's where the offense is. ACLU will show up immediately when you say the light is Christ. But we must bear witness. That's why the ACLU doesn't run Valley Bible Church. We don't pay rent to them. We are God's witnesses. And if the building was disbanded and you and I were scattered in persecution, the rest of our life is committed to one thing. Jesus Christ is the light that comes for every man. Are you witnessing for him? Do they know it on your job? Don't be an obnoxious witness. Wear deodorant. Brush your teeth. Wear some cologne. Don't, don't, don't look. Don't be a morbid Christian and yuck. He says, yeah, we smell them. We see them. They're unkept. No, be the sharpest thing you can be for God, but say, my mouth has been employed to bear witness to who the light is. You know, the greatest discovery I think any of us make is that all of creation wasn't made to adore you. Now, that has not hit some of you yet. But 
everything doesn't exist for you. We exist for him. It's about him. And so if God would use a man in a old camel skin garment that probably fire seemed to come out of him when he baptized and when he can call the rulers of Israel a generation of vipers and snakes. This is some man. And he said, this is the Christ. This is the Lamb of God. And so the Christmas message is, Jesus, we got the real thing when Jesus came. We got the real light, the light that never goes out. And it's used, there's a Greek word used of John, and the word does not mean a light, it means lamp. And lamps are not self-sustaining. Lamps have to be refurnished. They have to have more oil. They have to be maintained. But the light never needs maintenance. This is what Christ is. I am the eternal light. I am not maintained. I am God, self-sustaining. Now, let us see how the world responded to the true light. How have they responded to the witness? And I think we now move into some of the uh, most moving language. Uh, I only wish I could catch the pathos of it. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. The word world here is not only used of creation, but John uses world to describe humanity in its hostility towards God. Humanity under the governing power of the prince of the air. So he's not thinking about trees and animals. He's thinking about all of humanity energized in its adversity against God. So he says, he came into the world of humanity and though the world was made through him, creation and even your own existence, the world did not recognize him. What a statement that God could visit your town and never be recognized. Not his identity uh, to recognize. We take the idea of identity. Imagine if I had to get up here today and say, I want to prove to you that I am the son of L.J. Howard. You say, I don't believe it. Prove it. Prove your identity. Well, uh, I have the last name. Okay, but you, that could be a fabrication. Well, that's true. Uh, you got any proof? Well, I've got a light, driver's license, but you can buy one for $5, made in the right part of town. Uh, prove who you are. Well, let me do some stuff. Uh, how about raising the dead? How about turning water to wine? You say you're the creator? Does the wind know who you are? It does. Peace, be still. Do the waves know who you are? Be still, flatten out. Walk on water. What about when you ride on a donkey that's never been ridden on before? Does he know who you are? Why didn't he buck him off? He knew the Creator was setting on him. Our series is entitled, Jesus Christ, the Revealer of God. This has been Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. 
Thank you for joining us. Here in the month of December, as we gear up for Christmas, we have an awful lot of information to pass along to you about Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, as well as Truth For Today and the Radio Ministry Weekly here on KFAX. First, a quick look at our calendar. You're invited to join us tonight, 6 p.m., for our final performance, our Christmas Gospel Concert. It's free. Stop by our website for further details. And then don't forget our Christmas Eve celebration, December 24th at 7 p.m. Again, you'll find it all at our website, valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. Or, if you wish, get a hold of us by phone, toll-free, 855 855- 833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. And again, you can find out all of the details about all of the events and the special events especially here in the month of December at our website, valleybible.org. And if you enjoyed the broadcast today, please bear in mind, all you have to do is get a hold of us and we'll send a copy your way on CD. Our purpose is to get the word out, and in the spirit of the season, we're making the sermon broadcast available on CD to anyone who calls. Now, in addition, for a gift of any amount, we'll mail the entire series to the first 50 callers each week. So get a hold of us today, toll-free, 855-833-9864, or visit our website, valleybible.org. Sunday services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and we would invite you to join us, especially this holiday season, if you don't have a place to worship. Please consider spending time with us Sundays at 9 or 11. We meet at 1447 Willow Avenue here in Hercules. Details on our website, valleybible.org, or simply call 855-833-9864. Thank you for joining us for Truth For Today. Until next time, God bless. God bless.